For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association, and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Thank you for being a part of the program tonight. This is Soapy. We are coming on a little late. We're kind of getting some things squared away. For the evening, uh, we're going to have a great program lined up. We've got a very unique uh, opportunity this evening to hear from uh, a lady from the Biblical Archaeological Archaeological Research uh, Center, or Biblical Archaeological. The R, I know there's a society, and then the uh-huh. BAR as well. Uh, they're going to come on with us in about half an hour. We're going to be talking a little bit about. Modern biblical archaeology, what's going on in the archaeological world, how it relates to our understanding of the scriptures these days. So I hope you look forward to that. And we've got some tickets we want to give away this evening for you to be able to call in, uh, talk to our guests, ask a question. We Hopefully we can get that all ironed out and set up for you to be able to visit with her. Her name is Sarah Yeomans, and uh, she's be, uh, be with us this evening from New York. They're going to have Washington, a conference. Washington. I'm sorry, Washington, Washington. Yeah. It's it's a prestigious mistake for New York to, call, exactly. to call it Washington. Well, Jacob is with me. He's been working with Sarah about this conference and this this uh, program for a good while now, and uh, we're hoping that you can call in. We we they're going to have a conference here uh, in, in November, November 18th through the 20th, a uh, four day conference, and so. Three, 18, 19, 20, 20. Yeah, uh, the three-day conference. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh, it's all going to be about bibli- biblical archaeology. So if you have uh, a pastor, a uh, Christian leader you know of that really has a great interest in these matters, or perhaps uh, you know someone who majors in history or majors in archaeology here at one of the universities in our city, a professor or someone who has a great interest, you'd like to get on the phones, uh, we're hoping to have this going by the, end of the, by the bottom of the hour. And if they'd like to call in, and be a part of the program. And here, I think it'll be very interesting for them. But also, they can win. We're going to be giving away tickets to that bar conference right here in San Antonio. They're having their annual uh, conference and convention here. We'll have archaeologists from around the world. There'll be great uh, speakers and seminars that will be presented. And you'll be able to go and attend and hear and listen and take away uh materials and resources that might help you in terms of your own understanding of the scriptures and uh, the, the world of archaeology, the modern, this modern era in which we live. So if you'd like to call someone, tell them to get on the uh, radio, listen to KSLR this evening, 
and hopefully they'll be able to call in and connect with Sarah with us here on the Bible Live radio program. So that's coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, hopefully you have a great time of interview with her. And may, may I add a quick note, Sophie? Please do, Jacob. Uh, here's uh, Sarah. Is uh, She has uh, been with them for a number of years. She's an archaeologist in her own right, and her specialty is Roman archaeology. She actually has excavated... Uh, tombs and catacombs in in Italy, and she just recently participated in excavating one and open helping it open to the public that has never been open. And Sophie, I know you know, but why don't you tell the folks what a catacomb in it- it- Italy and in, <laughs> under Rome is all about? All right, uh, I have I've been there. I've seen them. It's, it's been a number of years. The early seventies, we spent a good long time in Rome itself, and. Uh, the catacombs were the, I guess it was almost, would you think of it as, as the era of the cisterns or maybe for, particularly in that first century era, kind of the um, uh, the, the sewer system of Rome, of that, the underground, there were, there were caves and there were passages and so on. Yeah, that's where they buried the people. Uh, they uh, buried Christians. A number of, a lot and, of that I took too, place. Uh, I too have been there and. And uh, <clears throat> pardon me. And uh, and they are places where they bear them. And one of the interesting facts that uh, that can, comes up, and we'll be able to talk to Sarah about it a little bit, is that the uh, Italians at that time in history believed that uh, that there would be a resurrection, and so they would send family members down usually on Sunday afternoon, and they anoint the bodies and keep them well preserved with olive oil, so they'd be a good-looking corpse when they resurrected. <laughs> Now, everybody in the oh, society okay. has their own own beliefs. Anyway, we do somewhat the same today, I suppose, right? I, I have I, will, I have had a lot of oil, olive oil, so I'm ready. They'll record our era in that so, same thing. Uh, but same the, idea. so the interesting thing is, is that it's actually where they would preserve the bodies, okay. and I, and there's one fantastic one in Rome where you go right down there, it's a, and you go into big chambers, and you can take mm-hmm. tours down there. And I've been in the one called Cappuccini, which is down in Sicily. And um, I'll tell you a quick little thing about there. I've been in the Rome, uh, Italy, uh, four, mm-hmm. four, four times, say. And uh, th- and when I'd go down to the one in Sicily, it's like Cappuccino, you know, mm-hmm. like Cappuccini. Mm-hmm. And uh, you go down in there, and I noticed at that time, uh, over the centuries, that all the colors and everything had faded from all the clothes. Everything was just gray. But there was one, a, a couple of Napoleon soldiers are still there, by the way. But there's one very heavy set, uh, I guess he was a cardinal, I believe. And he was there. And the first time I went down there, and the first time I went to Italy, and I was going through there, I got close to him. And you pick up this, because uh, it's a real body. And you get a, and you get this like almost sweet, sickening smell. And it almost overwhelms you. <laughs> and I remembered that. So the next time I went, a few years later, I did it again, and he still had that same sickening, sweet smell. And and also, I'm sure that uh, Sarah will tell us a little bit about uh, the last person that was uh, put in these catacombs was a little girl, and I think she was two or three years old, and uh, she looks like a little doll. I've seen her. And uh, it was like her name was Rosalinda, as I recall. And uh, I think it was in 1923 it's when it happened. I'll be. And that's the last time they did it. Entire families, more wealthy families, have little carved out rooms, you know, out of stone underneath the mm-hmm. city where they put whole families. 
uh, poor people would maybe have a place to stand. That late, huh? Mm-hmm. People were well, still being well, buried? Or the last one was 1923. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sarah and I talked about it a bit today. She'll fill in some of the blanks there. And, of course, some of the very poor folks, they would just get, like, on a shelf and stack one on top of another, you know. Now, you're talking about Sicily uh, right now. No, no. Well, that was in Sicily, yes. Okay. But in Rome itself, in Rome proper, and outside the city limits there, is where you also have all these catacombs. At any rate, about this program, on November uh, uh, 18, 1920, all these experts are coming in. Now, I do want to warn... 18 through the 20th, not 1920. <laughs> You said nineteen twenty, eighteen, nineteenth, and twentieth. Yes. Okay, uh-huh. I get it. I get it. I thought you were planning four years in advance already. Nineteen twenty. No, I'm not. But what I do want to say is this: uh, we are going to have some people call in and win tickets. Mm-hmm. We're going to give away four tickets with the assistance of Sarah and the generosity of the Biblical Archaeology Review tonight. Review. Okay. And so what's going to happen is the questions will not be devastating and tremendously hard, but People will have to answer a minor question like, hey, like, you know, who's in Grant's tomb? Maybe? Who's buried in Grant's tomb? Yeah, that kind of thing. So it won't be hard, but these tickets are Will six. they know that in biblical archaeology? Will they know I would the say that? that she would probably not know what he was wearing. Okay. Anyway, but the point is is that uh, the tickets are 600 bucks, uh, so, and they're having all these experts come in. Now, let me just give you, from my perspective, uh, several different people write great, great articles. And they also are real experts, and they come from many universities, and they're real scholars. Mm -hmm. But the good thing about this seminar, it's not built for scholars. It's built for the regular layman like you and I. And so they're not going to talk over our heads. They're going to talk to us. And what's really nice is is that they deal in proof. Now, I want to stress this biblical archaeology review is not faith-based. It is not. In fact, I think it's got another quality that a lot of people might disagree with me, but I think it's m- maybe more important. It's fact-based. Okay. An objectivity that's that's very healthy and good, yeah. And so you say, well, okay, but how, why is it called Bible? Because what they do is they look to, so you read something in the Bible, they look to archaeology to substantiate it, and if they can't, they'll say it cannot be. But... They discover things. Many of these things we hear about in the news and um, other uh, sources, you know, like they find these coins or the, uh, something about uh, King oh, David's Oh, there have been a number of things lately. Uh, I'm trying to, I was trying to think back today. What are some of the things that we've heard recently? I think there was something a couple of two or three years ago about James uh, Osuari, his uh, burial box. Osuari. They thought it was, uh, they think, or uh-huh. some thought it was uh, the brother of Jan- uh, Jesus, James, right. the leader yeah, well, of the church and, in and I, Jerusalem. And I think a lot of folks really think it truly was because it also mentions the other p- brothers that we know uh-huh. from Bible mm-hmm. literature to be there. I remember that's recent. Uh, so. Of course, we've got the Qumran documents. Right. You've got. I think there was even something about Caiaphas. Uh, uh, there was. Indeed, uh, there was. Uh, his yes. uh, burial box or something like that. And that's what these people do. Yeah. They do the archaeology. So they look to substantiate what's in the Bible. They mm-hmm. look for proof. So it, they're proof-based, if I may put mm-hmm. it that way, not faith-based. Mm-hmm. So you can't look for them to... Uh, but I will say, I have been so impressed with talking with Sarah and the lady who works with her. They are true n- experts in knowing the Bible. When I bring up something, they know the passages. and But their expertise is to do, what do we have to substantiate this? And they mm-hmm. have done, They mm-hmm. do a great, great job. Mm-hmm. 
So that's what they'll be talking about. But tonight we'll be taking, we'll be talking to her. She's going to tell a little bit about herself, her specialty. She'll tell about the seminar and about what this review does. Oh, yeah? And then, and some of the topics the speakers will be speaking on. And then we'll also have four questions. Um, and the callers who answer the questions correctly, they have to be the, fir- the first caller that answers the question correctly. So there might be two calls. These that don't tickets are valuable. Yes. I mean, this is a first-class uh, upscale convention and conference and access to the, the, all the seminars. Uh, I think there's value to six hundred dollars tickets each of them. So yeah. again, if you if you're, you you might want to if you're a pastor, you'd like to win have an interest in winning these for them or someone that you know that has a, a great interest in these areas. Uh, you can uh, call in and try to win it for them or call them tonight. Get them on the phones. Uh, someone that you know is a, a history major. This could be a great oh, research and, project. And, and, for and a it's student. in San Antonio this year. Every right year, here, yeah. they have this conference, a yearly conference, different places. This year it's San Antonio. Well, when I heard that, I, I, I you know, in my in my age group we call somebody, but in their age group we reach out to them. <laughs> yeah. you know? I'm reaching out. You know? Yeah. So, um, I guess we don't want to. We talk tweet some, them or yeah. we Facebook them or we befriend them or we yeah. whatever All else those they kind do. of things. So anyway, the seminar's here. It's going to be down on the Riverwalk, and some of the speakers uh, I know. Uh, at least of many of the speakers. A couple of them I really uh, am very fond of, the things they've written and said. Oh, one or two. I am not very, I don't agree with them. I don't care for mm-hmm. what they say, but I respect their expertise mm-hmm. and their knowledge. Biblical Archaeology Review. Yeah. And you can actually Google that, uh, Biblical Archaeology Research Review Society, on those, and you can go to their website. You can see there they have listed the, the uh, conference this, this fall uh, um, in November here, 18, 19, and 20th here in San Antonio. You can see some of the speakers that are going to be there. They have a the very long list of, I would say, probably 80 to 100 prominent uh, archaeologists from across the nation well, um, there will be representing tw- a number there, of universities. There will, oh, there will be experts. I want to tell you, I did learn about this <laughs> this week. Well, there's going to be 21 speakers, mm-hmm. and they all have level, exp- areas of expertise. But several, you're right. Several experts are flying in to attend this conference. So you will be able to hear what real people that spend their lives digging in the dirt to see what the Bible's true and substantiating things, mm-hmm. what they say. And I Great guess, pres- presentations with, with, uh, uh, with PowerPoint, with images is, you can, that will help you understand uh, yeah. the whole idea of biblical archaeology, whether it's... Uh, Digging up buildings and pottery and, and artifacts from the past or dealing with uh, documents, uh, Qumran documents and so on. How do they evaluate these, uh, these different materials that they, that they find? So anyway, if you have an interest, you're going to be able to come on at 340-9585 later in the evening. I'll listen to the interview she with will be coming on Sarah at uh, about, nine, uh, about 930, right after our breaks, after, after the 930 break. And uh, I do want to say, please, do not be fearful about uh, the questions. They will not embarrass you. They will not intimidate you. And uh, you may know more about the answer than we do, and you're Mm. certainly free to expound. And you'll have a chance, perhaps, to engage in a little conversation with Sarah herself. She's very, very knowledgeable. The whole group is. And, uh, And I would say that this is a fantastic opportunity. Now, if you do not win the ticket... That does not preclude you from going. You're free to buy a ticket. <laughs> You're right. Okay, but I do want to say, and after tonight, when we give away the four tickets, we're going to give something else away, Sophie. Guess what? 
Mm, I think we're going to give away uh, subscriptions to the uh, journal, right? Oh, I thought you were going to say the combination hearing aid Vegematic. <laughs> yes. That, oh, yes, that. <laughs> no, actually, after tonight, well, Sarah's going to start to kick off the ball here with the four tickets. And you're certainly free to buy tickets. So if you win a ticket and your spouse or friend wants to go, you can do that. Now, here's the other thing. If after tonight we're also going to, go, also going to be giving away... 20 one-year free subscriptions. So we'll do two or three or five, however many you want to To do. their journal. Yeah. Yes, to their magazine, and you'll get it every month. And we'll be asking questions uh, throughout the month of October. And each weekend we'll do that. And then we will be able to uh, send them the magazine. They'll start getting it. And i got to tell you, I read it, and some of the articles are fantastic. At any rate, so now tonight's uh, four tickets. But through the month of October, we'll still be giving away another 20 free subscriptions to their works. All right. Well, then you have that to look forward to later this hour. It comes just as we're moving uh, from our our normal scheduling, our emphasis in the Scriptures. As we make our way through the Scriptures each year, we are just finishing up the book of of uh, Jeremiah. We, this past week, read the book of Lamentations, which is a time of mo- a book of mourning and regret and, and Grieving on the behalf of uh, Jeremiah, it, just as Job is a book about personal suffering and mourning and grieving, uh, the Book of Lamentations describes suffering at a national level, uh, following the the destruction of Jerusalem and the Temple by the Babylonians uh, around uh, 586 B.C. So uh, we finished at the Book of Lamentations, uh, and then we're we're turning now back to the the uh, New Testament scriptures. We read the book of Hebrews in its entirety this evening uh, with a very, very interesting time now, um, a very in- interesting time to talk about Hebrews because this is a transition book between the time of the Old Testament and the, uh, what is called the Old Testament covenant or arrangement or dealing God's dealings with, the, uh, with his people through and, and primarily through and with the people of Israel, and then the time of Messiah when the dramatically uh, God is dealing now with people, believers from every race, tribe, and language of the world and uh, this great expansion of God's dealings with the people and we see that scripturally. So mostly what Sarah is going to be talking with us is from the New Testament era, the time of Romans, her specialty in particular is Roman archaeology in the times of the the Roman Empire. Uh, But uh, we are moving, Hebrews is a good time to be uh, as we look at the book of Hebrews, it's a good time now for us to be talking about this that era of transition uh, in the New Testament times. So uh, let's see if there's anything else we want to mention here as we get ready for our, our, our guest. I think we're going to be able to take phone calls from you, and maybe we can um, hook you up and let you allow you as well to talk with Sarah. I think we can put Sarah on a on a guest line and keep her... Good. We got it. John has got me covered, it looks like. So we're going to hopefully we can put you in touch and do the technology to make this a a great evening of interaction between you, our listeners, and uh, this expert uh, and this about this convention, this conference that's coming to our city. So if you have a question, if you have a thought, something has been on your mind, something you've puzzled about over the maybe over the years or even recently, you can give a call this evening and talk to Sarah about all things archaeological. In the last 150 years, there have been some very, very interesting developments. 
I know when uh, we were living in Spain, I met um, Father O'Callaghan. You know, he's a Spanish gentleman, but he has a very uh, Irish name. Uh, but he is a uh, a scholar who works in a monastery there in uh, Barcelona, just north of Barcelona, north of Barcelona. And he was part of some research uh, that had to do with the first New Testament. He he was part of the. What they do is when they make these discoveries of Qumran, these fragments, they'll document them, photograph them, and then scholars all over the world will call in. Will will take sets of these in large sections, and they'll begin to research them and try to identify where these uh, segments come from. And Father O'Callaghan uh, had was working with these. Uh, along with an American scholar named David, oh, come on, Soap, you think of his name, uh, his Hispanic name, I'll think of it in a little bit, I'm sure I will. And uh, can, we, can we talk until you do? <laughs> <laughs> his, his name, um, he, was a, he, was a, uh, he was the president of the American University there in Barcelona, and they wrote a book called The First New Testament because, believe it or not, they have identified one of the fragments from that, um, from that Qumran find, from the early New Testament era, which was which was amazing because nobody thought any of the documents, they were all from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, but they identified a document that fit perfectly with the New Testament uh, passage from the book of Mark. And the interesting thing is that this had already, they had already been dated. All of these fragments had already been dated with carbon-14 dating system, and this was dated very, very yeah, early. Yeah, and on the back it had the very first Burma Shave advertisement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> get out of here. Anyway, it was fascinating because all of a sudden uh, we had this fragment of the New Testament that went back further and closer to the originals. Of course, we don't have any of the original documents of the Hebrew Scriptures. And, and failing that, we, we rely upon the extant documents and and uh, existing documents and copies that come after it. And as part of the uh, appeal of the New Testament is that we have thousands of these, uh, in contrast to many of the other uh, works, literary works of antiquity, uh, other Greek works and so on, uh, which sometimes they only have in the numbers of 10 or 12 or 15 copies, excellent copies. The New Testament has thousands, and that's important because then they can go back and comparing one with another with another with another, they can track back to the original and see if there has been perversion or if there has been um, changing of the of the um, uh, of the actual document of the actual contents. Very very interesting world, the world of archaeology and uh, biblical histor- historians, and uh, that particular fragment <laughs> was from the early New Testament era from the from the Gospel of Mark it is thought I think it's chapter 1 verse 35 talking about Bethany talking about Mary and Martha and Lazarus and in that particular section of the scriptures so I'm I'm kind of I'm interested I'm I'm anxious to kind of ask Sarah if she knows anything about that and uh, if there's any been, been any progress in that on that particular fragment and you uh, know so curious the, about it what what the, should be very interesting is since her area of expertise is Roman archaeology. She And she's done a, a lot of excavation in the religious sites around Rome, believe it or not. She's actually done some that uh, they've never let people, with a group, of course, that, they, that the Catholic Church had not ever let people into before. Mm-hmm. So she knows a lot. Are you going to ask her the question, the topic you yes, have brought uh, up several times about it, the Ark of the Covenant or... Uh, that, we we can we can. I, if be like. interesting I am if she going knows to share anything. with her my joke. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a joke for tonight for her. Okay, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you always do. Uh-huh. I can always count on you. Now, uh, John, uh, do we have Harold on the line still, or should I go and pick up Harold then? Let's do that. And oops, I think I hit the wrong button. Harold, is, give us a Harold's call back. Still, is Harold there? Soapy messed up. I tried to put him on hold uh-huh. um, and, and to bring him up off of hold. Harold, please call back right now. We want yeah, to got a call right now, Harold. There it is. Um, there it is. I, I think I've got him here. Should I go ahead and answer it, or is that our Washington guest? Maybe it's Harold. Oh, Kaduki. Harold, you are on the line with us here on the Bible Live program. Thanks for calling in. Oh, no, the pleasure is on mine. Uh, Turn that radio down, of course. I don't have it on. Oh, okay. I thought I heard myself in the background. Well, you might have. You're a pretty fancy guy. (laughs) Yeah, no. um, You know, I I don't know if I'll be able to answer any questions around 430 this afternoon. I ran into a BMAS and I... I got stunned about 16 times. Now, the problem is my wife says it's only about 12, but, you know. <laughs> okay, uh, get it right. Oh, my God. So I drank some coffee and just woke up. But, you know, that magazine, I feel like I'm friends with all these men and women that uh, that do all this work. And I uh, just heard Jacob's, or you asked Jacob about um, the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, go ahead. Well, there was a story in 1981 that was... Uh, in the magazine, and Eric and Carol Myers had discovered an ark, and uh, they didn't really realize that the movie came out, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh-huh. and then when they made this, uh, you know, this discovery of the ark, but what it was was like an ark, like a little A-frame that goes over the, uh, Harold, uh, the Taurus keep, Grove. Keep, keep your thought, Harold. We'll have to take a break. We'll be right back and continue. 340 you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 huh? in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. Well, Elizabeth and I went and looked for us, Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to where we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect they'd receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Expressly, it's accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? 
Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Never be too far away from us. Download the KSLR app to your mobile device and listen to your favorite programs whenever and wherever you want. Download the app at kslr.com. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. Thank you for joining us tonight. Hopefully, it was Sarah. Soapy, will be did you turn me up a little tired? Could you turn me down just a tad? Uh, your microphone or your no, headphones? My earphones. My earphones. Uh, I believe I think I can. Let's see if I can do that. All right. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Good deal. Um, we're, I think, right now getting our call from our friend. Sarah in Washington, let's see if we can uh, bring her on the line with us. Hi, Sarah. Let, oh, oh, Sarah, there you go. Are you with us? I sure am. It's sure good to talk to you, young lady. No kidding. Congratulations on your recent uh, uh, acquisition. Your, I, I understand you've uh, finished your thesis, and uh, now we are talking to Dr. Sarah. Is that correct? Oh, not quite yet. I just finished my qualifying exams, but um, it is a substantial hurdle, so I'm glad it's behind me. That is a a great accomplishment, and we are so uh, happy for you, and uh, we're so thrilled and honored that you would come on with us and uh, talk about uh, all things biblical. That's the theme of our program now for 15 years. We've been talking about the Bible, going through the Bible every year, uh, every book by book. And uh, letting the folks in our city get get to know and become familiar with this uh, this old book uh, in, in its message and so on and and uh, it always it's a it's a distinctive of the biblical uh, narrative. It's a distinctive of these sixty six books that we have. You know, at least in the the book is popularly understood now. Written over a period of fourteen hundred years, forty authors. A distinctive of the biblical revelation is that it's. It is. There is a historical underpinning. There is a. There is an objective, a way to evaluate its message, its authenticity, its reliability, and uh, it's that really is a distinctive, I think, of uh, of the um, of the biblical revelation. And so we we don't get a chance often to really focus in on that. So we're glad that you're here and we can ask questions about it and so on. Now, my understanding is that you. Uh, and, and Jacob is here, by the way. You want to say hi, Jacob? Yeah, I was. I was wondering. Hi, Jacob. Hi, and I know. We'd... Very nice to hear your voice again. How are you? I am fine, at least. But I am open to a second opinion. Am I okay? <laughs> he's, he's, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Uh, but uh, but uh, I'm sorry because I know this. Uh, I was expecting you to go on hold. We talked during for a couple minutes during the break. And then you'd come on. But you know what? We brought you on. So here we go. Well, I'm quite happy to be here. <laughs> Thank so, you for having me. So, uh, okay, what, 
if you don't mind, uh, would you mind? First, I'd like to hit one topic. If you kind of give us a rough idea of what the Biblical Archaeology Review is all about and the society, the scholars that are involved, what do they do? Then, secondly, I'm going to turn to you. And then, third, we'll turn to this uh, seminar, the conference you're having. So, well, what, tell us great. a little about this mm-hmm. thing. So the organization, it's called the Biblical Archaeology Society. We're based in Washington, D.C., and the founder, uh, Mr. Herschel Shanks, created the organization in the mid-'70s after he and his family spent a year in Jerusalem, in Israel, getting to know the history of the country, getting to know the scholars who were doing some very exciting work at that time, And Herschel had this idea that um, a lot of people out there would find biblical history and archaeology as interesting as he did, Mm -hmm. and he created this this publication in the basement of his house um, in order to to sort of create this bridge between the scholarly world of, of biblical studies um, and archaeology and history uh, and interested lay people, people who, who might be interested in what was going on uh, in this field, but who were not themselves uh, working in the field or experts in the field. And what started as this, this little sort of basement operation, uh, and the, the first publications were sort of these black and white pamphlets, has blossomed into this organization, um, and we publish a magazine called the Biblical Archaeology Review six times a year, and our contributors to the magazine are the scholars working in the field, so the archaeologists who are working on in the sites, the, the biblical scholars who are doing the research, um, and they are the authors of these articles. Uh, and they are writing intentionally for a lay audience. So it really has, uh, in terms of, of being this bridge, it's been quite successful. And Sarah, um, <clears throat> I know that your special, as we talked, is really in the Roman archaeology, as you told me. That's correct, right? Yes, I'm a Roman archaeologist. Well, okay. By the way, I got a very, mm-hmm. before going any further, I've got a question that must be answered. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Pardon me. Uh, What is the very best husband for a woman? Do you know? Well, I'd say that probably depends on the woman, but... uh, You're probably going to mention your your own husband, right? (laughs) This this would be a good time to make some points up, Sarah. I'd say first and foremost, he has to be a good guy. <laughs> okay. Well, Sarah, um, okay, what occupation would be the best occupation for a woman's husband to have? Um, now, is this you know, I can only... <laughs> I, I don't know. I can only answer for I'm myself. Gonna, I don't gonna, presume to speak for all t- women. Yeah, Sarah, I'll tell you. <laughs> the best occupation for a woman's husband to have is an archaeologist. And do you know Why? going to be something about digging. <laughs> no, no, no. It's because the older she gets, the more interested he is. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> he, he, All right. Every now and again, he, audience, co- now and again he comes up with a good one, Sarah. That, that, that's pretty good. <laughs> the older you get, the more interested they become. Okay, so Sarah, would you tell mm-hmm. us, give us a, a little bit about you, and if you could drop in a couple things. We understand your academic background. That would be good to hear a little bit about. But tell us a bit about what Roman archaeology is and some of these things you told me that you worked on in Rome, which are really spectacular. I think the audience would be fascinated by it. 
Well, I, I was very fortunate. I moved to Rome, and I had lived. I lived there for about six years, and during that time, I had the opportunity to really explore a lot of these extraordinary sites in the city and in the Italian peninsula. And I did a certification course with the city, um, Archaeological Spaleology, which is basically urban spelunking, uh, underground Mm -hmm. exploration. And the city of Rome, um, I always describe it as this sort of historical lasagna, (laughs) sort of this urban uh, lasagna with layer on top of layer on top of layer. And so underneath the fabric of the modern city, you have a lot of remnants and structures from the ancient city. So any street you're walking down or any building that you're in, chances are if you're anywhere near the Cento Storico, there is ancient Roman material underneath you. Um, And so we spent a great deal of time under the city of Rome, exploring a lot of the structures that date from the period of the late Republican to late Imperial period. To, uh, the, uh, that, that would include like the, the that would include like the the catacombs and in that era, even all through the two thousand years now, right? Absolutely, I spent quite a bit of time in the catacombs uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and sewers and aqueducts and all sorts of things. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sarah, that brings a, a question I've kind of wondered. I was talking to my own children about this tonight. The possibility mm-hmm. of uh, of talking with you and visiting with you, and I asked him, what kind of questions would y'all have if you? And one thing that came up among us is, why do archaeologists always have to dig? It's it's always interesting to me. Can we can we kind of uh, probably correctly assume that within five hundred, six hundred years, uh, San Antonio as we know it today will be underground? I mean, why is it? That it's why is it that you're always Things are always underneath. Does that make sense right. to you, the question? I, it, makes, it makes perfect sense to me, and I get asked that quite a bit. Um, is it just and the San Antonio, <laughs> Well, if it was only that, certainly in places like Egypt where you get sandstorms uh-huh. um, and you get significant quantities of dust and sand being deposited. But uh-huh. in cities like Rome or San Antonio, um, one of the biggest culprits would be the flooding river. Um, in the city of Rome, the river would jump its banks with with fair regularity until it was finally walled up in the 19th century, so it would stop flooding the city. So you get a lot of silt and sediment deposit every time that that happens. Now, the other the other uh, factor that plays into that that's just as important is when you're thinking about say, ancient, an ancient Roman, um, and then later someone in the late antique period, and then later still in the medieval period, they didn't have the kind of machinery that we have today, the backhoes, the dump trucks, the machinery that, the machinery that moves all of these structures or what remains of them out of the way. So often what they did would knock down the upper stories and use the bottom story as the foundation for the next building. So it, it really is quite deliberate in that sense. I they see. use the previous structure as the foundation for the next structure, and so on and so forth, all the way up through um, through the modern period. They are literally actually building on top of the city as it was in one time. They've built on top of it, and over the decades, I assume, and centuries even, then you have this idea that you, you have to dig down deep to learn about the uh, the era before that. I, 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 I've always puzzled me as to 
Where's all this dirt come from that uh, you right. have to dig down to that? <laughs> how, how long? So well, a lot of it, one of the things they did, for example, Nero's Domus Aurea in the first century, it was this big, huge palace. Uh, they wanted to build, for example, Trajan wanted to build a bath complex in that in part of that space, so he knocked down the palace structure, used the rubble to fill in the lowest level and create a strong foundation for the bath complex. So it was quite deliberate in many cases. And today in the city of Rome, if you go into a building in the center and you can talk your way down into their basement in a, in a restaurant or a cafe, you will often find yourself uh, looking at stones and walls from the ancient Roman period. Hmm. If you'd like to visit with our guest at 340-9585, you can visit with uh, Dr. Almost, uh, Sylvia <laughs> Gomans, and uh, talk to them about the Biblical Archaeology and, Review. And Sophie, I was writing down. I missed that number. Would you say that number again? 340-9585. And that'd be 210, of course. Oh, 210 area code, no doubt about it. So give us a call if you'd like to visit. Maybe you've had a question that's been on. Maybe it's not as silly as mine. Where did all the dirt come from? Why do they have well, to dig so, down? But Actually, I was wondering, Sophie, do you think we should ask Sarah, how, like, how long did it take to dig the Grand Canyon, something like that, or? No, oh, no, that would no, be out no. of her specialty, oh, I think. Okay. I, w- I would have to make up an answer. <laughs> That's fine. Or you'd have to ask the Colorado River. <laughs> you I want to ask you, what in your, let's say in the last period, I, 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 there have been some exciting things. I, I, I think there's always, you can always watch the... Uh, the History Channel, and there's things about the, the the Shroud of Turin, and that's I guess that would be within your era, within the whole. Would that be, or is that a, is that a an Israeli or a Jerusalem type? Um, I mean, where was that discovered? I, as a fellow named uh, Segundo Pia or something like that in the 1800s discovered the Shroud of Tur- Turin, and do you know? Any, uh, do you have? Any, you're not going to believe this, Soapy, but I and Sarah, you're going to find this fascinating. I was on an airplane one time flying to Italy, uh, to the Europe, when and uh, sitting in one of the seats, and I talked to him for a couple hours, was one of the gentlemen, an older gentleman, a scholar, that was actually working uh, on the Shroud of Turin for the Catholic Church. He's uh, some kind of scientist. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, yeah. Did he tell you anything They've interesting? They've done quite a bit of work on it, yeah. yes, in terms of chemical analysis and textile analysis. And Do you know any, have you formed any, have you formed any, your group, or, or you personally, have y'all formed any kind of conclusions uh, scientifically about the uh, the Shroud? Or it, it's, it seems to be kind of up in the air still. You know, we haven't done a lot of work on the Shroud itself um, or even published very much on the Shroud itself, largely because uh, up until now, and of course these these opinions um, and theses are always subject to change, but up until now the general consensus seems to be that this is a, an object that came to be somewhere in the Middle Ages, um, which is well outside of our um our purview in terms of time period. So um, there seems to be a lot of questions and then mystery surrounding this particular relic. What are some of the more um, interesting? But, what are some of the more interesting projects that you've been involved with and uh, that you've kind of been fascinated with? Well, gosh, where do I start? <laughs> um, I have always enjoyed the time that I've spent conducting surveys of the catacombs in ancient Rome. Uh, and I like getting into these spaces where 
you can see or at least get a little bit of a clue as to how normal people lived and, and what their thoughts and feelings might have been. You know, history comes down to us through the text of, of really relative, a relative few sort of Roman elites whose writings survive to us emperors, um, great statesmen like Cicero and, and these sort of people. But, you know, of course, they didn't make up the entire population of the Roman Empire. And um, I feel like when you go into places like the catacombs or if you go to sites where they're excavating temples and you can see the types of votive objects that people are leaving at these places, then you get a sense of, of what real people were doing and thinking and feeling, the types of things that they were concerned about, the types of things they worried about. Um, and one of the things that struck me a great deal um, going through the catacombs and reading the inscriptions is a lot of these inscriptions are quite poignant. You know, parents writing um, these very sort of mournful messages to their children or mm -hmm. a spouse. Um, and, and these are very, you know, despite the fact that their thought world was completely different, their language was completely different, obviously their technology, their culture was completely different, but the things that make us human, um, these, these bonds that form between people, um, grief, concerns about death and illness, um, love, a Roman graffiti is hysterical in places like Pompeii because it's always sports, sex, or politics, just like today, so I really enjoy getting into these sites that, that drive home for me what the normal people were like, um, not these famous emperors and statesmen, but what was going on um, 2,000 years ago in in the life of a you know a typical Roman in that in that place and time. So I I sometimes read about pottery. We sometimes read about let's say documents that are found. What other kinds of things do you find that tell you something ab about that era? And what other kind of artifacts do are are telling you know they some, tell you something about the culture or about the belief system or about the uh, the general opinion and thought of life and of people. What other kind of things do you discover? Well, we're fortunate with with the cultures like Greece and Rome in that, relatively speaking, we have a lot of material from those periods. Not as much as we would like as archaeologists and historians, but um, certainly we we have a lot of sculpture left from that mm -hmm. period. Coins. Household objects like oil lamps, frescoes, mosaics, and and even though the objects themselves are quite important and can give us a lot of information, the spaces in which they're found are just as important. The the types of homes and living environments that people in ancient Rome lived in, their temples, their civic buildings, um, the the kind of urban environment that they would have lived in, as well as the more rural environment, military castra, you know, where the Roman legions would have been stationed on the frontiers. And so by examining these types of landscapes and architecture and all of the objects that we find within them, we can gain a great deal of information about their culture, as well as the way that they buried their dead. You can tell a lot about a culture by how they uh, can deal with death and, and how they bury their dead. Um, and also, archaeologists generally like to find trash heaps because mm -hmm. if you think about it, going through someone's trash, you can really get a sense of what they consume in their daily life. Um, and it's, it's these sort of things that help us piece, piece 
not individual lives because that's that's a very difficult thing to do, but at least get a clear picture of what life might have been like in a particular home or city uh, or other sort of environment. Then, then how does that? How do you then relate some of those things that you're that you're talking about right now? How do you connect that to the the idea of the of biblical archaeology to to for example a given text or there is uh there is the understanding that uh, i guess it was uh paul was imprisoned in rome and uh it is said too he i was? think that peter perhaps was as well uh, i think it, is that controversial i think there's still um question to be fairly um certainly paul um the maritime prison which is right next to the roman forum mm-hmm. um is, you know, according to tradition where Peter and Paul were both imprisoned um, before their before their executions. Um, so where do y'all make the connection sort of, between these other discoveries and, let's say, a biblical character or a biblical text or event? Well, one of the things that we try to do, for example, if you, if you take a story from the Bible, your odds of finding archaeological material pertaining specifically to that person or that that speech, for example, uh, are, are very slim indeed. But what we can do is look for other consistencies archaeologically. So, for example, if you are, you know, you're reading a text in the New Testament and it gives you a description of perhaps a political situation or it gives you a description of, or it talks about a particular Roman governor or even a description of what a city uh, Look or a temple, for example, that might have existed uh, in a place. Those types of things, archaeology, in some cases, can help us verify. Um, and so then the thinking of, of some people goes, well, if, if these things can be verified, then perhaps we should consider the other events in the Bible a little more seriously in terms of their historical truth. Jacob has... Jacob helps us a lot here on the program about sometimes with those kind of things. And I remember, Jacob, you were telling us one time about there's a passage. Uh, is it Luke where Jesus goes into the town of um, uh, his, his, where he was raised, not where he was born, Nazareth. And, yeah, he, yeah. and he reads a text. He's, he's given the scroll to read during in the tabernacle on the Sabbath. And he reads a passage from the uh, from uh, the Isaiah, Isaiah sixty one, and he is t- from the background of his understanding of history. His understanding was that that there was a law passed by the Romans that they they were forbidden to read the Torah. Now, in Jewish practice, they read every every Sabbath. There is a reading from the. If I understand this correctly, you yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. There's a reading from the Torah, assuredly, and a companion reading from the prophets. And Jesus, it only records him reading from the prophet from Isaiah. And uh, Jacob was saying, "Well, that is t- very much in line with what we understood of the era." And he even had a copy of the actual Roman law from that era. And I suppose that would come from archaeology or digs or from uh, research where they. Dis- where they did, in fact, have a law that they were forbidden to read from the Torah, which would explain why Jesus only read the section from the the prophet. Now, if you follow me, and I probably didn't explain myself well, that seems to be an example of where uh, historians, uh, archaeologists, their discoveries and findings kind of 
explain. Is that what you're talking about? They kind of explain and make sense of a passage uh, in a way that it explains why Jesus only read that one text instead of the uh, the Torah passage as well, because it, and it's not told to us in the text itself. But there was a law forbidding them to read the Torah. It, it, is that a, a, a typical? Is that a way? A, a, I don't know if you might be familiar with that. It's not in the Roman era, but. Is there any example of that sort of thing that you, as it relates to the biblical text that that you've seen or been in, been involved with? Well, you know, I am not a textual scholar. There's a, a yeah. lot of people out there who are very, very well versed in this. Um, speaking as an archaeologist, I can tell you that, for example, um, Pontius Pilate, who figures very prominently in in certain books of the New Testament, of course, related to Jesus' crucifixion. Um, so those, you know, up until a certain point, you know, people could question, well, did Pontius Pilate even exist? Is this just part of mm-hmm. of this mythology? Well, now, in fact, uh, we are fairly certain that Pontius Pilate existed because we have an inscription that was found at uh, Caesarea Maritima in Israel. It mentions Pontius Pilate. So we know that this man, this this person is a, histor- is a historical figure. Um, so this helps us start to at least solidify some of the aspects of these stories yeah. using archaeological evidence. Very, very interesting. And Sarah, I know we're getting a little short on time. Would you, uh, I, I would like to turn a little bit uh, to this conference, this seminar. Could you give us, we can continue. Can you stay over? We do have a couple of callers on the line okay. that would like to ask Sarah, their question. Sure yeah, yeah, let's, <laughs> yeah, let's take the questions and then we'll continue. And can, can, If you could stay over, we can keep her over for a little another well, thing. Oh, yeah, if, no, if Sarah no is willing, we'd love to have you. Go ahead and give your point. Okay. And, and I'll All bring right, up, uh, in I a moment, we have Harold well, on the well, line. Let's go ahead. and. We, we don't have time to really... Okay. It's just a, a couple of minutes. Well, actually, Sarah, all I want to do is I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about uh, the conferences coming up here in San Antonio and what it's about and the speakers and topics. Yes, let me tell you a little bit about this event. Um, it's something we're very excited about, very proud of. It's the 19th one that we have done. It's called the Annual Bible and Archaeology Fest Program. And what we do is bring in 21 different scholars in the fields of um, biblical scholarship and archaeology, or um, many are, are well-versed in both, and these are all professors and scholars who are working at various institutions uh, and organizations in the U.S., Europe, and Israel. And we bring them together for this two-and-a-half-day conference, and it is for lay people. This, this event, this conference, is not for the scholars to talk to each other. It is for the scholars to share their research and their latest findings, sort of what is current and new and exciting in the fields of biblical scholarship and archaeology, mm. with people who are interested in this material, but who don't necessarily work in the field. So... You know, they're not talking over anyone's heads. This is this is directed for an educated, interested audience um, who is not necessarily working in the field. Uh, and we have we try to keep it balanced between you know a relatively equal number of programs or lectures between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between textual scholarship and archaeological scholarship, uh, and. We have a great mix of people this year. We're very excited about the program, and mm. 
Uh, we always like to attend as many of the lectures as we can because it's one of the ways that we stay current on mm -hmm. what's going on in the field. So right here in we're, San Antonio. We're excited about the right, right here, here in, in San Antonio. Have you been to San Antonio we're, before, Sarah? I have once, and I thought it was beautiful, but I never went to the Alamo, so oh, I need to do that. This I time. hope you enjoy it. We look forward <laughs> to seeing you here. Well, that's yeah. November the 18th through the 20th. The um, mm -hmm. the, the um, uh, biblical archaeology uh, uh, society is having their con their annual convention and conference right here in our city. We're going to keep Sarah on. You can call at three four zero ninety five eighty five. In this uh, last segment, we're going to be asking some questions and uh, letting you call in and maybe win uh, some of these wonderful, very valuable tickets to attend. You, maybe you can think of your pastor or, or a professor or a student, that, a history student that you know would be really encouraged and, and uh, helped by attending such a conference. 340-9585. Don't go away. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And my good friend Jacob and our wonderful guest from uh, Washington calling in tonight. Her name is Sarah Yeomans, and she is uh, uh, an aspiring doctoral, uh, just a little bit lacking to be able to call her Dr. Sarah. We'll do it anyway, just uh, by faith, Sarah. We'll jump out there and call you Dr. Sarah. But she's visiting with us on behalf of the Biblical Archeolo Archaeological Society. Uh, a biblical Archaeological Review. You can Google either one of those and get to the website. Very interesting site. And it talks about a conference going to be held right here in San Antonio, November 18th, November 18th through the 20th. And uh, we're giving you an opportunity to call in and talk to Sarah. And also this hour, this last segment, we're going to give you a chance to call in and win some tickets to attend this prestigious and very, very interesting uh, archaeological conference. Uh, so give us a call, 340-9585, during this half hour. I guess, Sarah, we need to think up some questions. And one thing we've thought of is uh, if if you are out there with one of our listeners, you can tell us the name of one of the seven churches, historically the these seven churches that were on the, uh, if I remember correctly, kind of on the main highway that one would make across uh, the the uh, Roman world of that time. I think there was a Roman roads that were that connected them for commercial purposes and so on. Um, if you can give us the name, what are these seven churches? Uh, it, well, they're basically congregations that met in these seven principal cities across. Um, across the Macedonia. Do you have a area? Bible reference where we Let, might give them a clue? Yeah, I'll give them a clue. You can go to Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Revelation's the last book of the New Testament, the book of the Revelation. The last book uh, there, it mentions these seven churches. Uh, there is a message given to each church. If you can give us the name of one of those seven churches on the, uh, what is it called, Sarah? Was it called the Apian Way? Appian. The Appian, well, the Appian Way was in the Italian Peninsula, um, but there were certainly um, many different roads that led through Asia Minor, and uh -huh. Paul Paul was traveling on several of them. So right. the seven churches of Revelation are, are in what is now modern 
Uh, Turkey. Okay. Yes. Exactly. I wish I um, that that part of the world. I haven't been like to Greece or Turkey or the the Acropolis in in Athens. I'd love to see those. I guess you've been um, to those cities, right? I'm guessing. Well worth a visit. I go back again and again. Oh, it's got to be so <laughs> fast. Wonderful part of the world. Well, well if you are listening and you can call in with the name of one of those cities, uh, then we will make you a list a winner. Of one of these great tickets. So we haven't set the bar too high. You can look it up if you'd like in the and book then of the we're Revelation. Gonna ask a couple other questions, of yep. course. We're going to ask four total. And Sarah, also, why don't you take a minute or two and go ahead and finish your thoughts. You tell us about the convention if there's something else you'd like to add. And oh, and may, may I impose, Sarah, also, besides the four tickets we're going to give away tonight, uh, we've arranged through the Sarah that uh, we're also going to give away 20 ma- one-year magazine subscriptions to the Bar Magazine. Is that correct, Sarah? That's correct, yes. And are we going to give those out over the next over few weeks? Over the month of October okay. we'll do that, and that way we'll be able to keep talking about it and give people a chance to call and answer questions and get the subscriptions. But tonight? So, but tonight it's the four tickets. The so tickets. the first question you've asked is one, the name of one city, right? Yeah, and just name one of those cities or these these main churches that are addressed in the book of the Revelation, actually they're cities where the, where the congregations met at that, in that principal cities of the era. If you can name one of those cities, we'll put your name down as one of our winners of these tickets. If we get more than uh, four, five, or six, well, then we'll put them down in the pot and pull out four names, okay? All right, uh, Sarah, let's come back to you. I was, I was trying to think of a question my children had asked me, and... Uh, it came up just at the last uh, of the last segment. I guess we should go on. Should we take a call, Jacob? Sure, absolutely, see? absolutely. Let's bring Trish up on the line with us. Trish, are you on the phone with us? Yeah, I am, Sophie. I am. It's good to hear your voice. I didn't leave Sarah, did mm-hmm. I? Did I didn't lose you, Sarah? I hope. No, I'm oh, still here. It worked. <laughs> Yay! Modern technology. Well, Trish, you're uh, talking to Sarah here, and I'd like for you to. Uh, I, I, first place, if you'd like to answer one of our questions, uh, I know David, and Tr- David and Trish for a long time, so uh, they, they, <laughs> you would love this conference, Trish. You and David both. Oh, I know. I was just, I was just uh, really excited about it. Well, the, to answer the first question, one city's name is Smyrna, and for extra credit, the modern day city is is uh, Izmir. So Smyrna. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> You got it exactly right. Smyrna is one of those cities, and you're going to, uh, what did you say the modern city is called? Izmir. Okay, all right. Izmir. Okay, Izmir. So Trish is on our list to win one of our tickets and to be able to attend this great conference. Do you have a thought or a question, uh, Trish, that you would like to ask? Yeah. Anything on your mind? Yeah. Yeah, I just um, I I think it's wonderful that you're seeing archaeology. I think it's it's just so amazing and uh, interesting. Do you, have you done any work in Pompeii? I know you mentioned it, so I was just curious. Um, I myself have not excavated in Pompeii, but when I was teaching in Rome, I would bring my students down there every semester. Um, so I spent quite a bit of time down there, both teaching and, and doing exploration on my own. I have several colleagues who work down there. Uh, and that and Herculaneum, they are just extraordinary sites. It, was, uh, it is amazing, as you were saying earlier, because you see, um, the, you know, the average, just the average people. Is it true that they, they kind of know some of the people, uh, some of the houses, um, that 
who who lived in those houses. I suppose some of them have actually the names of the people on them, right? Some of them do. They they have inscriptions either on the doorways or inside that that make us believe either that individual was an occupant at the time that Vesuvius erupted or had been at some point. Um, so we we do we are luckier in that respect with a site like Pompeii because uh, what was a horribly tragic event for the citizens of the city ended up preserving the city at, in a level that that you just you never see with archaeological. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, yeah, yeah. I um, I like to call it horribly cool because it's cool, fresh, and horrible for them that. Um, well, the question I had to ask you was, in Pompeii, they had, um, I'm sorry. Never mind, Trish, I'm sorry, I was figuring out a technological question here in this. Oh, okay. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) No, that's okay. I was just really interested in Pompeii because I, um, my husband and I had the opportunity of being there, and they have little fast food places right along the, the walkway that goes down to the big um, stadium, okay. and I just yes. very yes. ironic that we're not so separated. After all, I have pictures of the first century McDonald's, so it's very <laughs> You know, those are exactly the same things that I love about that site. You know, the, the little taberne where, you know, they would even have frescoes of the food so that because it was a port city you had so many people in and out of Pompeii that spoke different languages in order Mm -hmm. to get around that people could point to the image of the the food that they wanted and they would be able to be served much like a tourist menu in a a city today exactly Um, that and the other thing the other thing I loved about Pompeii was the the, um, little pebbles in the middle of the street that acted as um, when the sun or the moonlight flashed on it at night, they could see their way. So it's yeah. much like. I apologize for interrupting, but for the interest of time, because we got other yeah. callers, we got to get in for other okay. tickets. May we sure. put her on? I'm hold. going to put you, Trish, on hold and give that information to John, and we'll go now and visit with uh, another listener named. Uh, I think Harold is on the line with us. Let's go and talk to Harold. Hi, Harold. How are you? I'm doing okay. okay. Good, Harold. You got to answer a question. You got to answer a question for us now. What are one of these seven oh. great cities that that are addressed in the Book of the Revelation? I really have no idea. Remember, it was sixteen of these things. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to speak to Sarah real quick. Sure, sure. And uh, you know, hi. Come you're on the there. line with her. Yes, I know. Hi, okay. And I'm uh, hi. I'm uh. Alan Campbell, and I'm a, a fan of your magazine, and what I like to do, uh, I found the magazine, actually, when I became a member at uh, Temple Bethel here in San Antonio, and uh, what I do with it regularly is I have my Bible with me on the side, because y'all's magazine has so many Bible verses related to the dig sites, and just one quick story, uh, in the magazine, uh, you know, the controversy of King David, did he live? Was it is it fact? You know, is it real or not? Is was there a star of David? Well, these these archaeologists were digging. I think it was 2004 or 1994. I don't remember digging at the top of this mountain or huge hill. And this lady archaeologist actually went to the Bible, and I think it's Second Kings, First Samuel, and she was reading. And, and every time David got in trouble, he said he went down to the hold. So. 
those verses are right there, and she took those verses, and she went to the bottom of this mountain or this hill. It's a very famous story in the magazines, and they found all kinds of uh, places where people lived, and you know, and possibly David's place. And to me, that's you know, that's really exciting, and uh, it brings the Bible. Not that it needs to be alive, but it brings it. You know, you got pictures, and you got all these artifacts. And I just, I wish I could go with you all over there, but uh, <laughs> all right, Harold, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wore out. But anyway, that's what I wanted to say. Harold, I apologize, but we only got 15 minutes left, and we got to get the other. That's team. fine. Okay, I'll talk to y'all later. Go ahead, Sarah. I, I, I should mention that also on our website, which is biblicalarchaeology.org, there is a, a tab where you can click on digs. So there, we have a whole list of digs in the biblical lands that love to have adult volunteers. Even We even get families going on some of these digs. So if anyone wants to be a part of this, uh, it's easier than you think. <laughs> so you can check it out there. All right, Sarah, we're dealing with the calls here. I've only got... I don't... So give us a call, 340-9585, if you'd like to talk to Sarah. We had a couple Sarah, of calls. Sarah, are you still there? They've, uh, I still Sarah am, yes. with okay, us still. But, okay. All right, let's go and Would talk you like to it. answer a question, Sarah? Esther. You win a ticket. Esther, are you with us? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Esther, Hi. so glad you're with us tonight. Thank you for calling in. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Can you thank answer you. one of our questions and win uh, some tickets? We'd love to have you and your husband as well be able to join. Oh, okay. Well, uh, the question, the only, I didn't know you had two questions. Uh, the only question I knew of was the names of the, uh, uh, cities. Yes. The, uh, these Smyrna, cities. Pergama, Ephesus. Oh, don't give them all away now. You, no. got, oh, okay. you got Ephesus. That's a good. We're going to put that one down okay. for you. And that makes all you right. a winner. See how easy it is? Oh, thank you. Ephesus is one of those I really Ephesus. am enjoying listening to that young lady. She's oh, wonderful. Brilliant. Ephesus is one of those cities. Uh, don't uh, When we hang up, don't hang up. Make sure you stay on the line and give John your information okay. because they'll be uh, writing you and sending you your tickets to the event. Now maybe okay. you have a question or a comment that you'd like to share with Sarah, all right? Uh, well, I just think that it's uh, uh, wonderful. I look forward to, to sitting through that and and I have read the magazine before. In fact, I had a subscription, a subscription to it a number of years ago, and I always enjoy it. And I think it's a real blessing for people. And uh, so it just—it's right. always a thrill for a person like me and many others who believe uh, the Bible to be true to then have it uh, testified to in stones like that is a wonderful thing and to have it explained uh in a friendly way yeah. uh you know like the ordinary people talk not the people in colleges right, <laughs> right. right. And we're so glad that you read it and and thank you we're looking forward to oh. having you i remember there's well, a passage I'm looking forward to meeting and hearing you yeah there's what? a passage in the new <laughs> testament there's a passage that uh uh, thank you for calling you. We're going to go to another caller, too, as well. But there's a passage in the okay. New Testament, Sarah, where uh, they're told Jesus is entering into Jerusalem, and they say, tell the people to be quiet. And he says, uh, well, if they don't, if they stop talking, then the rocks are going to shout out. And so right. uh, I've heard archaeologists use that as their theme that, well, the the rocks are speaking to us now. Yeah, they sure uh, do. Very interesting. <laughs> well, thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. Let's sure. go. Thank you for uh, Don't hang that. up. Don't hang up. 
we're going to uh, go and put her. I think she did hang up. Esther, call back. We need that information so we can send your tickets to you. Now then, there's someone else. Uh, Tammy was on with us with it. Let's go to what line? What line? A line, a one, two, three. Okay, let's get Tammy on the line. Hi, Tammy. Hi. Hi, good evening. I'm glad you're Hi. visiting with us. The ladies are calling in tonight. That's good. Uh, you're, <laughs> you're on the line with Sarah Yeomans from the Biblical Archaeology Review. And I don't know if you have a question. Would you like to start out by answering one of our one of the main these main cities that are addressed and talk, spoken of in the book of the Revelation? What Name one of those cities for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Absolutely, Philadelphia. <laughs> the oh, city of nice. brotherly love. There you go. Yeah. I should have guessed Philadelphia, of course. Philadelphia, of course. Now, do you have yeah. a question or comment, Tammy, for Sarah? Something maybe you've heard tonight that has triggered a question on your I mind? I just really have really enjoyed um, hearing about your experiences, Sarah. Hope you get to come back again and share some more. <laughs> we'll be. We'll oh, see you maybe thank uh, in, you. in November. <laughs> Good, good. It would be my pleasure. Would, Tammy, thanks for calling then. Don't hang up now. I'm just going to put you on hold. Up. We need information. We've so got to get some information tickets. to send Tammy her uh, tickets and the information to the conference. So if you'd like to call, we've got about, oh, what, maybe eight or nine minutes left. Uh-huh. 340-9585. We've given away three of these tickets. And uh, maybe your pastor Maybe a professor, a favorite history professor that you are taking in college. Maybe you're majoring one of the universities or the colleges here in San Antonio. Maybe you're a history major. This would be a wouldn't this make a, a phenomenal paper you could write about these things with this quoting these these authorities and these uh, scholars uh, firsthand. It'd be a great gift for your student in your life. So, uh, anything anyone else you think might be really really interested, especially interested in the conference, Sarah? Yes, um, I think that this this type of conference, we really put it together um, not for one specific group. You know, we have people of faith who attend. Uh, we have observant um, Jewish people who attend, observant Christians. We uh-huh. have atheist agnostics. So it's really, it's a wonderful event because you see all of these different people from different backgrounds and different faiths, and they're coming together because they share very similar interests. Yeah. And they all take away something different from it. And, and for people of faith, if, you know, the idea to, to get to know Christ, to grow closer to Christ, well, really, what better way to do that than to understand sure. the world from which he came? Um, and for people who, who don't ascribe to this, um, you know, our whole culture is rooted in Judeo-Christianity. In terms that, old, of our that old book still... That old book still yeah. captures our imagination, it, our, our history of our nation, that to a great extent it stems from the values. Absolutely. Of so it is and uh, so under, very interesting. Yeah. Hey, understanding I the ask history. You a I'm sorry, Sarah. Please go ahead. I was, just, I was just saying that understanding the history of the Bible and the biblical stories and the events and people that populate them um, gives us a better grasp on our present uh, and our, our present world. So I think there's, there's something for everybody in mm-hmm. these programs, and, and I always enjoy attending them as well. All right. 340-9585. 340-9585. So. Uh, for somebody that's looking in the Bible, where are they? these uh, churches at again? Where do you they're, find them in the They're Bible? listed there in Revelation, the book of the Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. Uh-huh. There are seven of them, I think, that are yeah, addressed. Uh-huh. We've Seven. already had Smyrna, 
Ephesus and Philadelphia been called in. We have these three winners. Uh, If you can name another of those great cities uh, mentioned there in the scriptures, uh, actually there in the the book of the Revelation, they're addressing the churches, the congregations that met in those cities. Mm -hmm. But if you can name one of those cities, call in. uh, We'll put you, you'll make you our final winner here for the uh, tickets to the the, um, Biblical Archaeological Review Conference right here in our own great city. And before we take the next and I guess the last question, Sarah, I've always been told, and perhaps you can confirm this if this is an area of archaeology, since we talked with the first caller about the uh, uh, Mount Vesuvius and uh, the city that's wiped out, uh, I've always been told. Pompeii. And uh, I've always been told, and from what you know, is it correct that the army that was there was the army that had sacked Jerusalem and just before they came for their R&R, rest and recuperation there, at Pompeii? Oh, my lands. That would be God getting a kind of a vengeance. Well, <laughs> um, you know, that, honestly, I'm not sure of, but the dates might be a little off um, because the... Jerusalem Temple, if I'm not mistaken, was sacked in 70, and the eruption of Vesuvius was 79. Uh-huh. Um, so, it's not to say that certain certain parts of those legions or certain soldiers weren't there, um, but really the main presence that you had in Pompeii was the Imperial Navy, because it was a port city, so... Hmm. Um, where is, it's where is Pompeii? It's possible, but... Actually, Sophie, Pompeii, it's on the Is coast. it on the mainland? No, yeah, on the mainland. It is. It's right on the Bay of Naples. I see. So... And and yeah, I've been to... It, I, I, just so you know, I've been to Pompeii, and, uh, and, and and I do know there was a... There's a little difference in the years, but I'm told, and this is correct or incorrect, that uh, the legion that uh, sacked Jerusalem... They had to spend, stay there for a few years, and then they had two-year labor somewhere, and then they went there for their so-called iron arc, because I've been told that that was always a place that they, the Roman soldiers went there for their, oh, shall we say, rest and recuperation. Rest. Well, it was certainly the kind of town where that would take place. You know, it was, it was <laughs> guess, a port city. You know and, uh, talking about, yeah. yeah. I, I do. <laughs> We well, have, we have Bob on the line. Yeah, uh, we have another, finally we the, have another caller, sir. The males of the human race are finally waking up mm-hmm. and calling in. Bob is on with it. And Bob is uh, one of our callers as well from, uh, I think, if it's the same Bob, has a great interest in these things, uh, biblical and so on. So, Bob, I'm glad you're able to call in and maybe uh, be able to win this last ticket if that's uh, it's, it's something that you're interested in. Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, thank you, sir. Can you hear me? We hear you just fine. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you, uh, would you like to win one of the tickets to the uh, Biblical Archaeological Review, the conference that's going to be here in November? Yes, that sounds exciting. Okay. Can you name one of the cities that are mentioned, the seven the cities that are mentioned in the book of the Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapters 2 and 3? What are one of those cities that are mentioned? Uh, there, there, are, there are messages delivered to these seven cities, these seven churches. Name one of those uh, cities for us. Can you, Bob? Was Pergamus already named? Or? No, Pergamus was not named, and you got it exactly right. Pergamus is one okay. of those Good. cities. So That's congratulations. Yeah. Wow. We have the, the uh, four listeners, the four winners on the program tonight, and uh, we'll be able to give out those tickets. Now, when we finish visiting, Bob, don't hang up, all right? We want you to uh, okay. stay on the line, and uh, I'll put you on hold and give the information to John. Okay. 
I have a question. Sure. Uh, I was wondering if our if our guest uh, Sarah, if uh, she saw the movie uh, Patterns of Evidence Exodus, uh, uh, a sort of an amateur archaeologist, uh, Tim. Timothy, I can't remember his last name. Yeah, hey, it was my, an Irish uh, last name. We've only got a couple of minutes. Bob, Bob, I hate to hurry, but we only got a couple of minutes, so hurry to the point. Cool. What, what, okay, I don't know if you saw that movie, but uh, what you thought of the movie? You know, unfortunately, I haven't seen it. Um, but since you've mentioned it, I just wrote it down on my little notepad. <laughs> What's it called again, so, Bob? Tell us I, again. I believe it's called Patterns of Evidence Exodus. Okay. Uh, it's about a year old. I see. It has to do with well, the. We can discuss the, it. Uh, we, go ahead. Did it have to do with the exodus of the people of Israel out of Egypt? Is that the idea? It it did. Okay. It did. Uh, some Egyptologists try to say that there is no evidence of Israel being in uh, Egypt, but uh, uh, the the movie seemed to indicate. Uh, it may be hard to find because it's so ancient, but there is some evidence that Israel was in uh, Egypt. Yeah. All well, right. Listen, I have put Bob, Bob on hold. Yeah. Bob, do not hang yeah, up now. Do not hang up, Bob. Get that information from them, uh, Bob. And maybe, Sarah, you can. Do you have any thought or information? I know it's not your specialty, it's more the Roman era, but any thought about. There are a number of people who have questions about the Exodus and the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. Any information? Well, I think there is some information um, about the presence of Israelites in in Egypt, uh-huh. and I think a, a lot of scholars, and certainly, you know, I kind of take the middle of the road with these things, that, that over time um, there was uh, an, an emigration of Semitic peoples from Egypt down into uh, what we now consider Israel. Uh, um, in terms Israel. of... <laughs> excuse me, sorry, yes, up to Israel, up to excuse Israel. me, yes. Okay, okay. Um, um, <laughs> so when we're talking about, you know, archaeological evidence for the Exodus as it is described in the Bible, um, thus far we have not found anything. Oh, um, right. you know, okay. Okay. Well, Sarah, there's our music. Yes, we are out of time. Yes, yeah, Sarah, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I, uh, I'll, I'll give you a call. I want to thank you very much. And when you right. come, we're going to try to get you on live in the studio. How's we'll that? keep talking. It would be wonderful. It would be great to see you both in person. And thank you so much for having me. You bet, sir. Thank God you. Bye bye. Restore the Bible to our culture, and it's brought to you by Free Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box eighteen eight eighty eight. That's Box eighteen eight eight eight, San Antonio, Texas seven eight two one eight. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 